0: Right, thank you very much so good to see you all this morning you brighten up the place so thank you for being here open your bibles to luke chapter 16 luke chapter 16 we'll read just a couple of verses we'll open our time in prayer and then we will dive in luke chapter 16 verse number 22 luke 16 verse 22 if you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the pew in front of you, but uh, you're welcome to use. Luke 16, verse 22 says, It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes. Let's pray. Father, bless the time in your word as we finish the series that we have been engaged in about these important truths of what we believe from from the Word of God. But we just ask for your moving, for your help, uh, for your uh, encouragement, for your conviction where it's needed. May we just be responsive to you and your spirit today. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Minneapolis couple decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. Well, they planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. But because of their hectic schedules, it was dif- difficult to coordinate their schedules. And so uh, he, the husband, flew down one particular day, and the, the, his wife was supposed to follow him the following day, meet him there in Florida. Well, the husband checked into the hotel, and there was a computer in the room, and, and so he decided to send his wife an email. However, he accidentally left out one letter in an email address, and without realizing his error, sent the email meanwhile somewhere in Houston a widow had just returned home from the funeral of her husband who had been a pastor uh, for many years and the widow decided to check her email expecting messages from friends and relatives after reading the first message she screamed and fainted the widow's son rushed to the room found his mother on the floor and saw the computer screen which read as follows to my loving wife I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now and you are, you are allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and have been checked in. Everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <coughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is uneventful as mine was. And then P.S., it sure is hot down here. <laughs> we have been engaged in a study, a, a series entitled "We Believe," talking about what we believe as a church. We've gone through our church doctrinal statement, uh, point by point, pretty much, and and but not just looking at our statement, but again seeing what God's Word has to say about these things that we have addressed. And so this morning we're on the final chapter, the final point. Uh, of our Statement of Faith, and we're going to talk about what we believe, or what rather God's Word teaches, about eternity. And here's what our Statement of Faith says. I will read it for you. It says, We believe in the bodily resurrection of all men, the saved to eternal life and the unsaved to judgment and everlasting punishment. We believe the souls of the redeemed are at death, absent from the body, and present with the Lord, where in conscious bliss they await the first resurrection when spirit, soul, and body are reunited to be glorified forever forever. With the Lord. We believe with the, that the souls of unbelievers remain after death in conscious misery until the second resurrection, when with the soul and body reunited they shall be cast in the lake of fire, not to be annihilated, but to suffer everlasting conscious punishment. And so that's what our statement of faith says. But again, the question is what does God say, right? That's what we ought to be more concerned with. What does the Bible say? Is there indeed life after death? Or is it just uh, some end of of existence, as some would would say? Well, the Bible says it's appointed to men once to die. After this, the judgment. But then what? What does eternity look like? Is heaven real? Uh, What about is hell a real, literal place or just a figment of some person's imagination? Well, we're going to talk this morning about that. Just three main points concerning heaven and hell. First of all, I want us to notice and hear from Luke chapter 19. We'll be turning a little bit this morning. Usually we try to stay put pretty well, but we're going to be turning to a few different places. But here in Luke chapter 16, first of all, I want us to see that heaven and hell are indeed real. Heaven and hell are real. Here in Luke chapter 16, back up a little bit. Verse 19, it says, There was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He was living it up. 20 That says, there was a beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, the rich man's gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Couldn't even fend off the dogs. He was so weak and sick. Verse 22 It came to pass the beggar died, was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. We'll pause there just for a moment. But I want us to know and to understand heaven and hell are real. This is not just a story. This is not a parable. Now, parables and scriptures were stories Jesus told, earthly stories that, that had a, a, a spiritual application. That's not what this is parables don't contain names, okay? Uh, And so we find here a very true account of a real event, real people with real names. Heaven and hell are real. First of all, let's talk about heaven. Understand heaven is a real place, a specific place. Verse 22, Abraham died. It says he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. He was ushered in the very presence of, of God heaven is a specific place he didn't become a ghost or an angel or some spirit that just kind of floated from here or there no he was in the presence of God in heaven now who is there well it's the abode of God number one Christ is now there at the right hand of the father the saints of God who have died and and passed on before us they are there Heaven is a specific place. Jesus, in fact, told his disciples, he said, I go to prepare a what? Place Place for you. And then he gives some details. But he says, I prepare a place. Heaven is a specific place. But secondly, heaven is a comforting place. Verse 25, as we read on, it says, but Abraham said, son, remember, and Abraham here actually uh, is, is, uh, uh, we know Abraham is in heaven. But I think this is referring to God here. He says, "Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receive us good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is, what? Comforted. He's comforted. Heaven is a comforting place, a place where the cares and struggles of this world are past. Here was a man, Lazarus, that tells us, don't know a lot about him, but it tells us, obviously he was poor. He was a beggar. Said he, he, begged just for a few crumbs to satisfy his hunger. He was sickly. Uh, probably uh, he had sores all over his body, as it indicates there as well. And so Lazarus, if we if we could say this of anyone, Lazarus had absolutely nothing. He was at the very bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Suffered probably for a lifetime in 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 uh, uh, in humanities, injustices, and so forth. But here it says now. Now, he was comforted. Heaven is a comforting place. What about hell? Some say, again, some say hell is not real. It refers just simply to an earthly grave. In fact, many years ago, the Church of England put out a a theological statement, a report on hell. And uh, this is what it said. They declared that if there is a hell, it is empty. In the past, the imagery of hellfire and eternal torment has been used to frighten men and women. But hell is not eternal torment. But it is the final choosing of that which is opposed to God so completely that the only end is total non-being. Well that sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> if we never had to worry about a hell. But again, what does God's word say? Well, verse 23, we began to read. Abraham, we said, was taken to Abraham's bosom. The rich man, verse 23, he died. Verse 22, he died, was buried. Verse 23, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. What does the Bible say about hell? Number one, it indicates And tells us very clearly that in hell the pain is real. The pain is real. Twice the word is used here uh, from the rich from his lips, the rich man's lips himself. He said, "I'm in torment." Verse uh, 24: "I am tormented in this flame." Hell is a place the Bible tells us uh, where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth, where where their worm their worm dieth not. And you kind of understand what that's talking about there. (laughs) And where the fire is not quenched. Re- Revelation 14.11 says the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. I don't know about you. That sounds pretty real to me. It sounds pretty awful to me. The pain is real. And the world can joke about it. And I've heard people say. You've probably heard people say similar things. But, but uh, oh, they want to go to hell where they can just live it up. <laughs> they don't want be part of Religion. And we go to hell to be with their friends. All sorts of those types of statements. Listen, the pain is real. If a person could see just five seconds of hell, he would do whatever it took to make sure he didn't go there. By the same token, if a Christian could see just five seconds of hell, he would never again pass up an opportunity to share Christ with those who are lost. I guarantee it. Hell is a real place. The pain is real. Secondly, the separation is real. Verse 26, his answer goes on. God's answer to this rich man says And beside all this, between you and me, between us uh, us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. It's too late. No hope, no release. It is real and it is final. This man pleading, and think about the picture just for a moment. Verse 24, when he said, uh, Can you just send Lazarus that he can dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue? I don't know, um, I've got, this this isn't anybody's water, is it, sitting up here? Okay. Have you ever, this is what he was wanting, okay? Take your finger, dip it in water. One, maybe two drops, <laughs> just two drops of water was all he was wanting, to, cool, to, to ease his torment, to cool his tongue. The pain is real. The separation is real. And it's final. But thirdly, as if that weren't bad enough, the pain, the separation, the memories are real in hell. Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them, let them hear them. He said, nay, no, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The memories are real. This rich man in hell said, well, if there's no hope for me, then send someone, anyone, send somebody to my brother's house. Send Lazarus or or someone else from the dead to, to warn my brothers that they don't come here. Warn my family, warn my children that they don't come to this awful place. And it wasn't an answer of a lack of compassion. It was simply an answer of, they've got the same opportunity you had. (laughs) They've got Moses. They've got the prophets. they've, uh, They've got the truth. But notice there's total consciousness. There's emotion. There's pleading. So the pain will not cease. The memories will not go away. Memories that would haunt this rich man forever, wanting uh, to warn everyone that he knew not to come to this place. As they will for all who go to hell today, those memories. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Secondly, this morning, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Heaven and hell are real. Secondly, heaven and hell are eternal. Again, based upon what God himself says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's again first focus on heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, it says, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, talking about this body, this physical body, if the, the, the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. What's that next word? Eternal in the heavens. <laughs> a house uh, eternal in the heavens. Heaven is eternal. No end. Hebrews 9.15 says we have an eternal inheritance. 1 Thessalonians four seventeen, the apostle Paul said when he's talking about Christ's return, he says, and so shall ye ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The life that Christ gives is eternal life. Heaven is eternal. In fact, the phrase eternal life uh, is used uh, some 48 times in the New Testament. It is life without end. Heaven is eternal. What about hell? Well, Scripture refers to hell as eternal judgment, everlasting fire. Go to Revelation chapter 19, we see another reference. that we'll look at just quickly, briefly here. Revelation 19, verse 20. Here he's specifically talking about a, of an event, event yet future concerning a man that we refer to as the Antichrist, and the false prophet. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 20. It says the beast was taken with him. The false prophet that wrought miracles before him. With which they deceived them that received the mark of the beast. And them that worship his image. But look what it says. These both were cast alive. These are actual men. okay, That will be on the earth during that time. Were cast alive into a lake of fire. Burning with brimstone. And then go to chapter 20. Just over one page. And verse 10 to see what this lake of fire is. Chapter 20, verse 10. i We'll read down a few verses. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. And by the way, this was a 1,000 years later. They're still there, okay? But it says, They shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It goes on. I saw a great white throne. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. But a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the heaven and earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the book of life, or according to their works, rather, it says. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. Verse 15 says, whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire fire what is this lake of fire it says will be tormented day and night forever and ever heaven is eternal that's great news but hell is also eternal and people ask but how could a loving god anybody ever ask you this question (laughs) how could a loving god allow people to suffer in such an awful place forever how could god send anyone to such a place well, I hope by now we, we've addressed enough here that you know the answer. The answer is it's not his choice. He's not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish, not even one. In fact, lest, again, and, and, and if you've been taught this, and you know, we can talk later, but, but some say, well, before man was ever created, before man was ever, that God sat down and decided who could go to heaven and who would have to go to hell that god arbitrarily decided that before man ever uh, uh, had an opportunity or, uh, god determined that uh, and, and forced this choice upon man well you examine scripture and you'll see scripture you'll see that hell god never cre- god did not create hell for man it was never intended for man the bible very clearly says hell was created for the devil and his angels the the the, the, the demonic angels that was the original purpose for hell. God never intended anyone to go to hell. Hell is not full of people God rejected. It's full of people who rejected God. Say that one more time. Hell is not full of people that God rejected. It's full of people who rejected God. He's not willing that any should perish. And we'll see that as we close in just a moment. Heaven and hell are, number one, are real. Heaven and hell are eternal. One more, and we'll be done. Heaven and hell, and this is very important. Heaven and hell are chosen. Heaven and hell are chosen. Go to John chapter 1. To be the last place that we turn. Gospel of John chapter 1. And verse number 11 It says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how do we choose heaven? Let's talk about that just for a moment. How do we choose heaven? Well, verse 11 says, or verse 12 says, We need to receive and believe, right? Believe on his name, receive him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. So uh, you say, what do we have to believe? What do we have to receive? Well, thankfully, he prefaces this with some discussion or with some uh, verses here. Look up in verse four. The first thing, the first thing is to believe or understand, acknowledge our need. Acknowledge your need. Verse four says, "In him was life." Speaking of Christ, going back to verse one, verse two, uh, but in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Listen, we are in darkness. We're we're in sin. We're in darkness, and we cannot attain salvation in our of ourselves. Verse uh, thirteen says, uh, "We're born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will." There's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to buy it. We're in darkness. We cannot attain salvation of ourselves. Every person, I've said this over and over, every person that comes to God must come to him the very same way. Whether it's president or whether it's prostitute, quite frankly. We come to him the very same way as a sinner in need of a savior. Romans 3.23, you know some of these verses. It says, all have sinned. little three-letter word encompasses everything, right? All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.11, there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. And so uh, we'll never be smart enough. We'll never be wise enough. We'll never be good enough. Apart from God's intervention, we're helpless. We're hopeless. Think about the accounts of Scripture. Think about the Apostle Paul, before we were saved, the persecutor who became uh, the renowned preacher for God. But he was literally stopped in his tracks, wasn't he, on the road to the Mass, just minding his own business, if you will, going about his, his daily routine of persecuting Christians. But God stopped him in his tracks. God intervened in his life. The Ethiopian eunuch riding through the desert all by himself. And God put... Philip there to explain to him uh, what he was reading from the scripture. Uh, the woman at the well. Zacchaeus. We go on and on and on how God intervened in their lives. If you're saved this morning, there was a day that God got your attention and brought you under conviction and called you unto himself. As they say, it's, it's uh, an old cliche, but true you can't be found until first you acknowledge you're lost. You right. can't be saved until you uh, realize you're not. Again, earthly example, all right? Uh, and we can make generalizations here at least once about guys, okay? Uh, how many guys like to stop and ask directions? Anybody? <laughs> oh, we'd rather drive around for a while, I mean, unless you're on a schedule and you, you get desperate. But, but we'll find it eventually, right? What's that? scenic route, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we we will eventually find it, right? <laughs> uh, when, uh, after I graduated college, graduated on Friday night and Saturday morning, my wife and I packed up uh, into a little 23-foot motor home that we had. We drove to Chicago uh, for our first week of meetings. We're in evangelism for about eight years. So our first week of meetings was in uh, Pretty much downtown Chicago. I mean, we're at the dividing line, okay? If you know anything about Chicago, it was Diversity Avenue, I believe. But it was, you go one block this way from the church, and uh, there were gated communities. I mean, they and, and, you know, gated, you had to have permission to get inside. You go one block the other way, and there were barred communities. I mean, barred windows and barred, so you kind of, we right on that, <laughs> right on that division line. But anyway, so we're driving, we had a good week of meetings, and, and uh, heading out of town, and we're supposed to head out on this certain road, and and I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm from a little farming I you know I'm from the Hicks I uh, you know the city is not really my thing and and uh, so we need to find the right way out all right so but we were driving and, and kind of circling around a little bit trying to figure out find this road that we're supposed to get on to get out of town and and uh, finally my wife said just pull over and we'll you know we'll find it on the map or whatever we'll ask somebody so pulled into this I think it was an abandoned gas station parking lot but but kind of pulled in and, and I looked up at the street sign and right there's the street we wanted it, happened to it was there didn't see it but it was there and so, so we were able to get out of town uh, alive, all right? So, so. <laughs> nothing against Chicago, but. <laughs> but the point is you can't be found unless first you acknowledge your loss. If you don't ever never stop to ask directions, <laughs> uh, you're not going to get there, right? You're not going to get them. But how to choose heaven. Number one, sorry for that diversion there. <laughs> how to choose heaven. Acknowledge your need. Secondly, confess your sinfulness to God with a heart of repentance remember the and this was a story this was a parable jesus told about the pharisee the the, the religious man right uh, the man who uh, uh, who the, the, the supposed theologian of the day but the pharisee uh, that was stood in the temple in a very prominent place and and prayed to god and then the other individual of the story was what a publican not a republican a publican all right a tax collector hated despised by everyone <laughs> Uh, but he contrasted those two prayers, and the, 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 the Pharisee stood and he said, "I thank my God. He probably had a lot of these and those I don't know, but, but I thank thee, oh my Father, that I 'm not like this rotten, dirty, filthy sinner over in the corner over here. <laughs> i don 't do all those things. I, I keep the law, I do all the things right. <laughs> and then he talked about the, the sinner, the publican. What did it say about him? He couldn 't even look up to heaven. <laughs> it says he fell on his face. <laughs> And he cried out to God. All he could say was, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, one, that day, one went away dignified. The other went away justified. <laughs> well, that parable, an important parable, Jesus told. The importance of confessing our sin, acknowledging, God, we need your mercy. Confess your sin. Number one, acknowledge your need. to so confess your sinfulness to God. And then thirdly, how do we choose heaven? Call upon Christ. Back to verse 12 that we already read. Call upon Christ who died for you, to forgive you, to, to cleanse you, to save you. Verse 12 says, as many as received him, whoever receives him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. That's what he'll do. He'll make us his own, his child. So, heaven is chosen. You've got to make a choice. It's not automatic. You're not born into heaven. Uh, I've had people over the years, I had one person one time tell me, well, my name is on the cradle roll uh, of of that church, the nursery. And I didn't say this. Of course, I'm a kind person. But I'm thinking, well, that's good. They changed your diaper. All right. (laughs) Good for you. But you see, that's not what saves us, is it? So we're not born into it. We're not. uh, We uh, we have already covered all that. But it must be a choice. Acknowledge your need. Confess your sin. And call upon Christ. But what about hell? How do we choose hell? Do absolutely nothing. Do nothing. You see, we all begin from a position of condemnation. People don't go to hell because God hates them or because God desires or forces them to. People go to hell because they refuse to believe and to call upon Christ. Turn over just one page, John chapter 3, and we'll close with this. Famous last words, I know, of the preacher, but... Let's read a couple verses and we'll we'll wrap up, we'll close. John 3, verse 17. Verse 16, we know, a very familiar verse. But verse 17, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Think about that for a moment. God didn't send Christ to condemn us. Why? It says, but, and then we'll get to the why, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to bring salvation. But here's why, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Already condemned. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So our default position because of our sin. Not because of anything God did or said, or, but because of our sin. Our default position is condemnation. And so he didn't come to condemn us from sin because our sin has already condemned us. He didn't have to do that. Rather, he came to offer salvation. And when we look at this book, this precious book. Some in the world particularly would see this book as a book of condemnation. But that's not right. That's not right. It's not a book of condemnation. It's a book of Redemption, a book of salvation. Yes, it speaks of condemnation because that's where we all are. That's all we were, all, where we all were. But it's the message of redemption, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. And so understand this morning, whether you're here, whether you're watching uh, via online, when you die, you will either go to be the Lord in heaven or you'll go to a place of torment. Or you'll be ultimately judged and cast in the lake of fire for all eternity. But here's the important part. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. The word whosoever is used over 200 times in Scripture. You have a choice. You can choose heaven today by acknowledging and receiving Christ as your Savior. acknowledging your sin, receiving Christ. Or you can choose hell by staying as you are by rejecting Christ, but it's up to you. It's up to you. I've heard a story. When England withdrew its embassy from Libya back in the 1970s, Muammar Gaddafi was so angry that he ordered that England be taken off all the maps sold in Libya. Gaddafi could deny England's existence or try to put it out of his mind all he wanted, but England still existed, didn't it? So you can deny the existence of hell all you want. Try to push it out of your mind. Or treat it as if it didn't exist. But it doesn't change the truth. Hell is real. Hell is eternal. Heaven is real. Heaven is eternal. The choice is yours. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to sing a closing hymn in just a moment. Before we do that, there's an opportunity. You have a choice this morning. And uh, I know most of you here this morning, and, uh, uh, but I can't see your heart, all right? Nor can you see my heart. But the question is, have you made your choice? Uh, heaven is yours for the choosing by acknowledging your need, your sin before God, by believing that Jesus Christ died for you, took your pun- the punishment of your sin upon himself there on the cross, and thirdly, by calling out, by choosing, by confessing, Calling out to him, receiving him as your savior. The Bible says those who call upon him will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts. No questions about it. From a heart of faith, if you'll cry out to God, call out to God, confessing your need, believing that Jesus died for you, and asking for his forgiveness, he will do exactly that. And so again, whether you're here in our presence, whether you're watching you can make that decision today. As you can see from our message this morning, it's the most important decision you ever face in your life. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to drag this out, but very quickly, I wonder if there might be someone here this morning and you would say, I'm not sure I've ever done that. I didn't ask if you've gone to church your whole life or if what you've been taught or what, how you've been raised, whether you've been baptized. You've, uh, those, those questions are, at this point are, are irrelevant for this moment. The question is, have you made this personal in your life have you invited christ personally to be your savior maybe there's still have some questions maybe you're still not but but you say i'm just not sure would you please pray for me no one's looking around you slip your hand up i'll say thank you put it right back down i'll pray for you not not by name not to call you out but i'll i'll say thank you and i'll pray for you as we close anyone very close about five seconds anyone i'm not sure i'm on my way to heaven pray for me anyone like that very quickly All right, as believers I hope that uh, as we've spent these few moments you know this is not I don't enjoy preaching some preachers might I don't know but I don't enjoy preaching about hell Uh, it's a terrible reality Uh, but it's something again that's real something needs to be addressed something needs to be uh, preached and taught and uh, so as Christians where does that leave us if you're here and you have trust in Christ praise the Lord but if we truly understood the reality of hell, we would do more than just go to church. We'd do more than just fill our time or put in our time uh, with, with tasks. and different. Uh, we would make sure that those we know, those we love, those we work with, those we live next to, we'd make sure that they at least had an opportunity to, to hear, to know what Christ did for them. We don't have to shout at them. We don't have to be belligerent. We don't have uh, but it's, it's love and kindness, the love and kindness of Christ, sharing with them how they can have what we have. If we fail to do that, number one, we're selfish. Number two, we're disobedient. <laughs> but if we understood the reality of what we've talked about this morning, we could sit all day and praise the Lord for our, for our happiness, for, our, for heaven. Uh, but there's the other side of that coin. There's those who need what we have. And how will they receive it? without someone who is willing to go and tell father thank you this morning for your word for these uh, these moments together as we've looked at this matter of eternity is there life after death most certainly it's life that without end but the question is how or how will that uh, life be eternal life in the presence of of God in heaven, a specific place created specifically for those who, who, who know Christ, who, who have called upon his name, will be a place, the place of eternal torment. The Bible describes very, very specifically as hell. The choice is ours. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that tells us how we can escape the uh, condemnation of our own sin how we can receive the forgiveness of Christ. I pray for those that don't know you. Father, we're approaching here in just a couple of weeks uh, Focusing focus our attention on this week of revival. It's not just a week of meetings. If it is, we might as well not even come. Father, I desire this to be a time when you would indeed renew, revive our hearts with a a burning desire to obey you in our daily lives, to serve you as you give opportunities around us. So I pray that we, that we would be in preparation even now for this these meetings. It would be inviting to make sure that we're here every night of these meetings through Thursday to, uh, to, uh, to, to be a part of it, to see what God will do if we're willing to be obedient and submissive to you. Father if there's any this morning there's no indication here in our midst but if there's any even watching who don't have total assurance of heaven may today they yield themselves commit themselves uh, acknowledge their need before you very simple prayer up to you Father I know I'm a sinner I need your forgiveness I believe Jesus Christ died for me please come forgive me of my sin come into my life Father, if they'll pray a simple prayer of confession and, and receiving Christ. You will, you will make their lives new and you will give them eternal life as we've shared this morning. Bless we sing this closing hymn. Father, continue to stir our hearts. Work in us, we pray, and thank you for In Jesus' name, amen.